everyone welcome back to i want to talk movies my name is andy and i'm andrew it's been a little while andy how's it going i know i was really really hoping you're gonna say i'm vengeance but you, vengeance. you let me down damn it that would have been a good one and i'm vengeance yeah yeah, I was hoping you're gonna because you, you paused right somewhere. I'm like, are you gonna do it? I was like, you know, like hoping you could read my mind over the internet, you know, down the same wavelengths, but nah, 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 just you kind of just paused and like, oh shit, it's my turn. Um, anyways, yeah, we're back for we've had a little bit of a of a hiatus break, um, kind of, yeah, just some some personal stuff going on, but but everything's a okay. But I'm super happy to get back to talk to you andrew which is awesome um but yeah if you don't know yet we're going to talk about the batman because we have to do um and i'm super excited to talk about this one what else do we got in store we have well we got to talk about the last episode of peacemaker we're gonna have a batman segment which andrew's probably gonna run that whole segment because he knows more about batman than i do and then uh, we'll get into the movie but besides that man how you been doing pretty good um we're gonna well we're, you're gonna talk about a little bit of video games i guess in a minute so i'll talk about what i've been doing i've been playing pokemon arceus a little bit um i like the game i think it's a it's it's weird it's a very weird game because ultimately like it's a cool it has a cool gameplay mechanic but ultimately it gets a little repetitive and boring but the gameplay mechanic is very cool so like i'm torn on whether or not it's on how much i like it i think it was worth it i'm glad i bought it but i think it's 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 interesting because like maybe less than two weeks after buying it they released the trailer for the new pokemon game coming out this fall scarlet and violet and you can tell they're actually just going to combine what looks like arceus with the previous one and the Switch's history with Pokemon games is strange because I think Sword and Shield sucked, like, relative to what you'd expect. They did the Pikachu and Eevee one, which I didn't play. And then they did the remake of Diamond and Pearl, which I think for a remake looked terrible. Could have put way more effort into, like, the kind of the style and looks of that remake. And then I did Arceus, which was cool, but it gets a little boring and repetitive. And now, <laughs> I'm like, what is this thing? Now that's like the fifth one. I think they're going to get the fifth one right, hopefully. And I'm that Pokemon fan who like buys like most of them, but then like will still kind of complain in the hopes that it's good. But I think they're going to get this one. So. See, okay, so I'm like 100% with you about the repetitiveness in rcs and like i you know again the mechanics and exploring everything was really cool i had a lot of fun with it um i like how you can like go around roam around and catch your pokemon and whatnot but um yeah like i wanted more there was way too much dialogue to just read with like there's no voice acting so i'm like again like if you're gonna give me a game about catching stuff and just kind of make it about that i don't really need a backstory you know, or make it minimal, and this is me kind of just bitching about it. Um, so I kind of had to stop playing it because, again, like you said, I, uh, I, I again I, I found it too repetitive. But with Scarlet and Violet coming out, I'm like, okay, my, I'm, I'm, I might, like you said, to like exactly what you said, I'm gonna probably end up getting it, and then I may I may complain about it. But still, I like the mechanics and stuff. They're gonna do more of like the uh, 
the gym, you know, gym battles and everything like that, and then I feel like I might be more into it. So, I think so. I think the, the gym battles. Cool. I think that would be good because I really do actually like the idea. Like you can kind of just like chuck pokeballs at at Pokemon and just like catch them without battling them. That's kind of fun. The hiding is kind of fun. I think if they made the environments a little better next time, it would be more fun. Because the environments are super yeah. bland. Like, right? Like, they're very, they're simple. But I like that idea of, like, you're like, okay, I can go around. I can try to hide. I can throw fruit. I can put these little, you know, these uh, these gas balls that kind of conceal you and stuff. So, like, you kind of have that, like, hunting aspect in it. But yeah. then without the gyms, it's rough. Because it's, it's so repetitive. Because it's like, okay, just, like, go out catch this Pokemon 10 times, fill up like these little kind of repetitive missions to gain your stars and then do whatever you can. But right. Pokemon's so weird right. because like it's it's like a type of game that has like no competition. And Game Freak has to, they make games like crazy. Like this is like the, you know, they've made so many games for the Nintendo Switch. And I just feel like the, the company itself, my guess is like they don't have a whole lot of pressure from competition making similar style of games to them. And their fan base is so huge that even if the games are kind of like a little subpar, like they still sell crazy well, probably relative to the development cost. So like, like I don't know why they, they you know, I don't know what they have no pressure. I think it seems like to, to do much better. Like if there were a bunch of other kind of like monster hunter-esque kind of a, you know, turn-based RPG games, like I think it, Pokemon would look a little different. There's like an indie game I've been waiting for a long time to come out to Switch called Temtem that's on Steam still that looks like it's kind of trying to be like a Pokemon competitor and like it's still not on Switch yet, but I'm always surprised because it seems like it's a huge market and no one else tries to make another game. Yeah. Nintendo's like, don't you dare put that on our, on our like, in our library. Uh, it's weird, right? Like it's weird, but I I I, I really hope Temtem comes to the Switch this year. I mean, like it was, it looks like cool. It's one of these cool indie games. It was kickstarted. Um, they raised like all of their money, I think, in like probably less than a week because uh, it looks so cool. And I think it's just been on Steam and beta for like maybe a year or something. I so and here's my again I'm complaining, but um. Game Freak having, like you said, no competition. I feel like that also comes with like kind of a responsibility to like at least make sure that you're pleasing your fan base, right? Like I feel like if you're getting, if you know you're gonna sell it, like you're not trying as hard. And I feel like that's my, you know, and one of the things about Pokemon Arceus, like I just feel like it was on. I feel like it just felt really empty too right the graphics weren't as good as like it could you know it could have been way better but i know they're trying to hold oh like, yeah it could have been i don't yeah, know if you saw Dragon, to monster, Hunter, monster hunter yeah like, monster hunter i think is probably like the pinnacle of what you can do with a switch graphically sure um and this is nowhere close to that like i don't even know if it's at the halfway point so like they could have been a lot more true true but, but anyway, it's a good game. I like it. Did you yeah. did you play through it much? Did you find do, is there a Charizard in there? Can you get a Charmander? Have you seen one? You can, no. And once I found out my answer to that, I just stopped playing it. Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, that's such a petty way to say. No, I mean, I. Why well, is like the best Pokemon? Come on. I mean, like besides the, the I mean, I, although I, they did 
they botched his type. I don't know. I hate that he's flying and um, flying now because he gets yeah. fucked up. I, I think. What does he get fucked up by? I think Rock or something like super hard. Oh no, no, yeah, Rock messes him up, and but like Rock, I mean, Pryor also gets messed up by Rock too. Um, so he, yeah, but the thing is, like, I he is my favorite Pokemon. Charmander to Charizard are like my favorites. Um, so yeah. I just kind of feel like I'm one of those like a Chad because I like Charmander because I feel like it's everyone's favorite. But what you know, but I don't care. He's my favorite. Plus, he's kick ass. Yeah, he's my main starter. Like if I, I was mean, my favorite Pokemon up... are probably Charizard and uh, Rayquaza. I mean, like, and I just like Rayquaza. I mean, like, look at Rayquaza. He's just like he's a he's a, another Dragon type Pokemon that looks kick ass too. Like I was right. so desperate, I was trying to find Rayquaza stuff in Japan when I was there, and like none of the Pokemon stores had it. And even though it was like I don't know, it was like Rayquaza themed at one of them, and all I could end up finding, which is funny because this tells you about the marketing of Pokemon. The one thing I could find that I liked a lot was like a Pikachu dressed up as a Rayquaza, which is funny because Pokemon's like, okay, we're only going to make the stuff that we know we can sell and Pikachu sells yeah. really well. So like, uh, here's a Rayquaza thing, but it, we will have to incorporate Pikachu into it in some way. So, okay. So let me get into the spiel of what's been going on in, in my world, right? Since we're talking about open world and video games. So last time we talked, I was like, dude, we got the Oscars coming up, like, or the, the, the nominations just came up. I'm excited. I'm going to do my best to watch, like, everything because everything's so accessible now. Um, if you have, like, at least a majority of the streaming services. Uh, yeah, none of that's going to happen. I, for several reasons, I feel like I have some of my disagreements with the, the way that the Oscars are doing things. I still want to watch it. I'm still curious of what's going to be winning and whatnot but like so two things right and one of them is kind of more petty too um because spider-man no way home uh <laughs> got no love I'm, I'm bringing it up again andrew okay um they don't care about fan. superhero movies Andy. Yeah. they're pissed about no. these i'm sure like the, the whoever's nominating the oscars i'm sure they just hate what the, oh, like yeah. the theatrical trends are right movies. now but it's funny because, like, like, what was the last superhero movie that got nominated was uh, Black Panther. Um, so, which, I mean, was deserving. I love that movie. And um, But what did so, it get nominated for? Best Picture? Like, best, nothing got nominated yeah, best for Best Picture, picture right? Really? It got Best Picture, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, but, like, the, but has anyone yeah. ever won Best Picture or Best Actor besides for a superhero movie besides Heath Ledger? No, 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 no. That, that's the thing. No. Because did he yeah, get Best Supporting Heath Actor? Ledger. He got, I think he got Best Supporting Actor for being the Joker. Yeah. 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 Um, which, I mean, obviously, but here, okay, there we go. But also, freaking, um, what's it, I keep, I'm so bewildered, like, with Daylight Savings, my brain is, like, foggy today, so forgive me. But what's his name? Walking Phoenix. There we go. Uh, Did it. Okay. He won. Oh yeah, no, he he won. Actor. He won, right? He won best actor. Okay, like, well, I mean, like this, uh, this is like a halfway in between one because this one's obviously yeah. very different. I'm, I'm just saying, like, Joker is is a DC thing, but it was not really a superhero movie. You know, it yeah, was you could have taken out, you could take out the entire all the Batman references and like, like you could just have a movie about like a like a homicidal clown. Exactly. That would that and no one would be surprised. Like, oh fuck, clowns are scary and weird anyway. So yeah. Uh, so 
you know, so there's been some stuff like that. I mean, obviously, superhero movies have been nominated for Oscars, but not for like best picture or like best acting. Uh, there's usually visual effects, state, like, you know, like what is it like? Um, yeah, visual effects, set design, all that good stuff. But so, what they had to do is what the Academy, the Oscars said to do. They're like, all right, we'll, we're going to do a new thing. We're going to do fan favorite Oscar, all right? And then they're like, all right, we're going to have people, you can vote for this on Twitter, all right? Because that's where everyone apparently is. So they did their open voting, and because it's, a, it's just fanatics, right? What um, I forgot what led to what, but the recent Cinderella story, um, there was uh, the main actress, she's like a pop singer, who has a huge fan base. So for a while now, the Cinderella movie from 2021 was winning her fan favorite Oscar, right? Um, obviously, it, it now in the lead is Spider-Man No Way Home, but still, uh, it's just kind of a funny thing that they're going to do some BS thing for, for like a fan favorite thing or whatever, instead of like honoring, you know, what that is. But the other thing too is that because they want to cut the, the, pro, the show short, they want to exclude some of the award giving. Like they want to exclude best score, um, like some of the other, like like I think best score, best visual effects and whatnot. So a lot of the other things that, you know, should be mentioned, they're going to try to just present, give those awards at a different time and not show them on there, which I think is kind of fucked up. Um, you know, so. Um, it's weird. I think they're yeah. probably just trying to appease like the mass audience. And probably try to, I mean, like, I think I would assume that the Oscars are getting less and less relevant as time goes on. They are. Probably for multiple reasons, right? Because of the format of the show is one. Like, people just aren't as interested in watching live television anymore. Well, Unless it's right. sports, that, which is like, that's like the, that's like the last, like, you know, the last holdout really, right? Sports realistically is like the best reason to watch live television, I would assume. Great. My thing is that that's the thing, and I feel like that's the other thing. Like they're going about this all wrong. They want to keep it traditional. Like if they were to, if they were smart enough to be like, oh hey, let's stream this. Like let's let's put this on a streaming thing, so that we could have more viewerships. I guarantee you that it would do better. Yeah. You know, but of course you have to have like you have to have like a cable account. You have to have like it's uh, access to like ABC, blah blah blah, and all this kind of stuff just to be able to watch the the show, and that's just kind of ridiculous. Like you gotta, if you want more viewerships, you gotta do something smarter about it. Like honestly, if you were to stream it like on YouTube or just let it stream on Hulu for free, like or you know like or with commercials on Hulu, totally, I think that should be totally fine and valid, you know, so. Different methods, but that's my soapbox for that. Now, let me tell you about something else since we were talking about video games uh, and why it also kind of uh, blocked me from watching a lot of movies and just a lot of shows in general. Uh, a game called Elden Ring came out, and this game is it's sucking the life out of me. Um, who who made Elden Ring? Elden Ring is made by a company called From, From Software. They've done the Dark Souls franchise along with Bloodborne. Oh, okay. So it actually, I didn't even realize it was from the same ones. I thought it was just in that style. No. It's it's the, the, the that's kind of why 
this hand this fan base or this this company has like a hardcore fan base uh that they're they're really intense right because you have like your own like you know it's funny people have like their own like political views not political views in a sense but like their own views like if you play a certain way then you're cheating or if you're playing a certain way then it's on easy mode so this is like a lot of funny things coming to this um uh, i get it yeah. it's like i used to make fun of people in super smash brothers who use the c stick like dude you're exactly. a bitch you're playing the easy way like don't play the exactly. easy way like play the normal way don't be in yeah um and so in this case you have different class builds right and so you play like a magic build you know like a mage magic build then magic becomes op is what they're saying because you can play you can play um like more away from like the enemies or whatever so you're not really into like the melee and the fighting part i like the melee so to speak so it's it's very and these games are so fucking challenging dude like like let me tell you my my so okay this from software game eldering is the first open world from software game right there is no map and there is no quest log there is there's nothing. no map literally like or like I know you are no no i mean there's no there's no like um you have to discover graces or stuff like that and you have to find they have these little pinpoints where the map is and so once you go to that map like it opens up right okay. you can see where you're at where you are so like there's a map but like there's no direction of where to go so you're literally exploring so here's the thing right you my first experience in doing my first day playing this game i build my character i do like a more like a melee person right because i'm dumb and you do tutorials, and when you start to actually get out into the, the first area in the real world, you can run into random bosses. And how you find out who these random bosses are is that you see a, a like you know health bar go across the screen. You're like, okay, cool, boss time. So when you take your first few steps, you see this fucking golden knight on a huge ass sword with a huge ass shield and a big ass like weapon stick, right? And I went, you know, I got close to it to where I saw the health bar, and then it comes at you. And I'm like, okay, let me see how tough this guy is. The dude one-shot me, right? And I'm like, okay, fuck you, I'm going to figure this out. Four hours later of me suffering is when I finally beat this guy. Now, here's the thing. What this character, this thing being here, this boss being in this area, tells you two things. One... You're gonna run into shit that's gonna kill you. And two, it's like if you're in an area that you're not ready for, then move on. But my stubborn ass was like, no, I'm gonna fight this thing and I'm gonna poke it with my stick. And four hours later I was able to to take this goddamn thing down. And I was sitting with a friend on Discord and he saw how he like, you know, obviously we're on our mic, so he like I didn't say a thing for quite some time. He's like, hey, dude, you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm still finding this goddamn thing. And he's like, you know, you could explore. There's so much to do, right? And I'm just like, look, this is in front of me. All I see is red. And my life purpose in this very slowly moment is to take this damn thing down. And uh, so, yeah, it took me four hours to fight this first thing. It's not even an actual story boss. It's just a boss that you run into. Um and it's just that's just kind of how the game is 
it it is a very beautiful game. It's super big. There's so much to do and discover and to look at, and it's just it's crazy um, how big this thing is and how overwhelming this is. But it's the first game that we've been given that I've seen come out that has had no issues at launch, right? The last big game that was supposed to come out, the last big game that came out, right, was Cyberpunk. And that that whole thing was a mess. Like, Is it fixed yet? That game, no, like, yeah, can no, you no, play they, Cyberpunk? Yeah, no, they, they, they did an upgrade patch. So they did, like, they did um, a PlayStation 5 upgrade they did a so now like there's a new gen upgrade they they fix a lot of the patches a lot of the mistakes they added some new content um not story content but like new items and stuff you can do uh so yeah so barely now almost two years after uh did did a uh, cyberpunk get kind of finished for what it is you know so it's so Elden Ring right now. We had some other games too that came out that were supposed to be big that like were still a mess. Like we had one of the Assassin's Creed that was a mess. So there was no big game that has recently come out that was that was big. I mean, obviously Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales came out, but that was like only like a, a short game, you know. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really count. But it was Elden Ring. It was the first game that like no crashes no nothing you know from software usually has done playstation exclusives um but this is like for all but this game is for like all for you know everything except the switch um but it's it's been it's been challenging still i get stuck on a boss for a couple hours still uh but i've been having fun exploring and i've been having fun just kind of finding the bosses then having that like freaking feeling of like overcoming something super difficult in the game why i play i don't know uh because honestly was my i have rheumatoid arthritis so with my hands i don't know how i'm doing this um but yeah uh someone like me shouldn't be playing it but maybe that's why i'm doing it because i have to prove to myself that like i can play a difficult game Um, you can play the new kirby demo i played the new kirby demo it's very fun it's very cute (laughs) maybe i should go to that but um but yeah, no, it's been it's been cool. It's been it's it's a fun game, and I like probably will jump on it like after we stop recording uh, today. So I'll be yeah, something that's been part of my uh, what's been going on in my my outside world, which is probably why I haven't you know I lost interest in trying to keep up with all the Oscar stuff because it just became overwhelming and you know so you know I decided to to sink my my hours into this video game for a while now until uh until i complete it so yeah um anyways let's switch the gears and go into our uh first main topic which is a peacemaker season the season finale um okay you're gonna have to remind me andy this was this was a while ago now i know i know i know um so we covered everything except for the last episode and in the last episode is uh right when like we find out where they find out where the uh the cow is right the alien is giving the oh yeah that cow the, thing. Uh, that the butterflies funny yeah um so we had the intense episode in episode seven where like peacemaker kills his dad Right, which is the last big thing. That was so, really intense. Uh, oh yeah, 
but that motherfucker deserved it. So that actor oh, yeah. did such a great job in portraying someone disgusting. Um, so it, it honestly, this last episode was just a really good action-packed, um, action-packed episode. They, they get everything together for one last hurrah, and they, yeah, they kind of infiltrate the place, the place to um, just them. Obviously, here's the main thing I want to talk about in this episode, because it was just a great action-packed episode. And, like, again, I loved how James Gunn works and how his head brain works with music. So, like, during one of the scenes when they start to go in, they play, like, the Peacemaker's actual, like, theme song and everything, and they have some really cool scenes. Um, they have the, tor- the human torpedo. Human torpedo. Uh, am I saying that? Tor- torpedo. There we go. Human torpedo. Yeah, which I thought was awesome. Um, and so I loved seeing Adebayo, uh, having, you know, being called to use that and the way that that was set up. Okay, I wanted to, I just want to get into like, like I mean, I'm spoiling this, right? And so I just wanted to just kind of get into this part. But James Gunn, either he has a pool, right, because of his name. Or DC is finally being like, you know, we just got to let anything that DC now be filmmaker, like, directed or filmmaker, like, um, influence, right? Well, I don't know. I think I think they, they sometimes do that and they sometimes don't. But I feel like, like it's time to realize that now more. Cause dude, no, I think I, I think they did before. I mean, I think I think Zack Snyder's stuff was very Zack Snydery, and I think they gave him a lot of creative control. I just I just don't think what he did was good, right? Um, yeah. But I think I think those movies through and through are Zack Snyder movies. Like he had a vision, and they let him execute his vision probably very accurately. I guess um, another big example I have is David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Yeah, see, that's probably right. the counterexample. Like, they didn't let him do that, probably. You're right. But here's also the other thing about, like, you know, I guess you were kind of right, too, because in the Justice League, we had the Josh Whedon um, version, which... Which, I, don't, I, I think that was also for mixed reasons, too, though, because I think the Josh Whedon thing was because Zack Snyder intentionally stepped aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had... A, I just feel like we've had a bunch of like too many DC misses, and I think they were trying to also force there to be like a collaboration, right? Like they're because again, like they were kind of trying to keep up with Marvel and have like you know their own Avengers kind of style. So they're trying to do like their own. They were trying to mimic or mirror what was been going on in the Avengers uh, or Marvel. Yeah, they wanted before, some kind right? of shared universe. Exactly, and so I feel like not until now. Like, are we having more, like, single, independent kind of, like, things going on, right? Um, and that's kind of why the first Wonder Woman was amazing. Why the first, sh- like, the why Shazam was fun. Uh, Aquaman was okay. It's fine. I, I, yeah. And I, but I feel like a lot of the other stuff, like, again, the Zack Snyder stuff wasn't as great, even though I actually liked his um, his final cut. Like his cut of the Justice League, I liked it way better than like the Josh Whedon one. Um, but again, he made it look good, but he wasn't the complete writer of it. Now for Batman versus Superman, I honestly have no idea what was going on there. You know, but I think that's his vision of the characters. I think Batman v Superman is what he wanted it to be. Like I know there's an extended cut, but like 
I feel like that movie to me looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Like it doesn't look like he got a lot of an immense amount of pushback by the studio being like, no, it has to be like this or it has to be like that. Like it. Sure. It comes off very much like his vision to me. So. And that's kind of like why I again, why I'm like, what do I, you know, is it how much is it, you know, the studio's fault? How much is it, you know, the director's fault? Um. I mean, again, like we said, we had the prime example in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, and then we had James Gunn do the, the Suicide Squad. It is, again, like one of the top tier DC stuff. Um, and now I want to, and so obviously this is going to kind of give away how, how we think about the current movie, but now we might have another, you know, good DC movie in our in our basket now after watching yeah we'll get to it i mean like this is probably the best example though well i would say actually this and peacemaker the two best examples probably they're really just seemingly letting the director just completely guide the tone of the movie so so to full circle this thing i'm gonna gonna full circle this bitch right now and having a shared universe i don't know if it's again like if it's james gunn's name or pool or whatever but we we have Aquaman and The Flash show up. The actual actors, like Jason Momoa, actually shows oh, up. Oh yeah, just that for was... a joke. They even had him curse, which I was really surprised by. They let Aquaman say fuck. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he has that. He would. I feel like in the real world, he he would be he would cause like a sailor. Yeah, Jason Momoa's yeah. Aquaman definitely would, but still, it's I still was quite surprised that they even still you know let it through, but. His one line is "fuck you, Barry," which I thought was hilarious, dude. How what do like now that you remember? Like, how was your? I was in shock, dude. I was like, "What the hell? Seriously? Like, that's them?" You know? Like, I was really yeah. surprised. I mean, the thing that I'm most surprised by is they keep maintaining this fact that like Henry Cavill is theoretically Superman. I find that almost more surprising. I'm just like, guys, you got to fix this. Like, do something. Like, I know. I'm sure they have some kind of plan or something that they'll right. eventually do. I mean, the Flashpoint is clearly going to be some kind of trigger point um, for the DC Universe, which all of that shit just got pushed back. But, like, I just think it's weird. Like, they did it in Shazam, too, where they're just like, oh, like, this is Henry Cavill, quote-unquote, like, but you can't see his face. And then they did it again. This is Henry Cavill. It's like, okay, like, okay. But I thought it was cool. I thought it was great that they did have Jason Momoa and... um Ezra, what's his last name? Ezra Miller? Uh, who the... Yeah, I think the Flash. The Flash. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was cool. I'm surprised they did it. Supposedly, there was a reason they didn't let him use any imagery for Batman, which maybe and, says and something too. And Wonder to Woman. Yeah, yeah. The Wonder for, Woman one, yeah. Ba- yeah, so the three mains, which is Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, were not... Um, you saw the no, Superman but... was there, like, floating in the background. But, like, Batman's oh, no, literally no. not there. Oh, no, yeah, Batman's not literally there. Like, there okay, is yeah, Superman no and Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're silhouettes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Superman and Wonder Woman are silhouettes. But, yeah, you, you legit see both Jason Momoa and Isaac uh, Miller just kind of chilling, like, you know, there for, for a cameo. Um, and it was just kind of like... I feel like in an interview that he had was... Uh, James Gunn had with Kevin Smith. He's just kind of like, yeah, I asked if I can do this, and they told me I can only have these characters, and like I can use silhouettes for these two, so I said I'll take it. And just for a joke, and I think it just happened to work out that they were filming around the same area, 
What if they took um, the set to the set to there? You know, so I was yeah. So I was pretty surprised, and I was very pumped to see that. I was just kind of I'm like hell yeah. I'm like all right. I'm I'm all into this. So it was cool. I mean, I kind of see like the DC expanded universe almost like Star Wars kind of not maybe like a worse version of it in the sense that like I think Star Wars has just like made a, like a lot of fuck ups, but like they're never going to go retcon anything. So like they just deal with it. And as a viewer, I think you just have to deal with the fact that there's a lot of weird fuck ups. Like I think they've completely botched Luke's story arc. Like throughout. I, I no, I think they totally botched it. I think Luke's ending is is one hundred percent. It's it's really really poor. Like the like when they bring him back for the new trilogy, like his entire characterization, I think is just totally fucked. And I don't even think there's much redemption for him as like the spirit version that they tried to do. Like it's so like whenever you, I don't know. I just think you have to deal with it as a viewer. So like when you get to see cool Luke stuff in the Mandalorian. Even though you know they fuck the ending up, you just have to accept the fact that what you're getting there is cool and just deal with it the best that you can. And it's the same with the DC Universe for me. I'm like, okay, well, like, they fucked up all this other stuff. This is kind of all interrelated, but kind of not. So, like, whenever it's good, just accept it <laughs> and just try not to overthink that they've screwed up so many other areas of the the characters. Well, here's the thing that I wanted to kind of, like, also bring up right is that the with star wars we've only been given one story right like this wasn't a first a comic book this was you know a, like a book first or story first that george lucas came up with right uh with the batman like all other superhero movies we've had comic books from day one we were introduced to like multiple universes so it's kind of like I think it's just more forgiving to have multiple people the same superhero. Like, we've had multiple Supermans, right? We've had multiple Batmans now. So, the only thing that we haven't seen much now of that is we haven't seen that much in the Marvel Universe, because they're still, as for television and everything, they're still on, like, the the younger side, right? And the only other Marvel character that we've seen multiple of is is Spider-Man. But besides that, like, we only had one main Iron Man. We've had, like, one Scarlet Witch and, and so on. Like, we finally, we have just finally gotten our new uh, Captain America, right? Yeah, but that's also so, because Marvel hasn't screwed up anything horribly, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's the reason, I, I think. Feel- Marvel's done a good job of, like, making, like, we, like, we've said this many times. Like, everything is at least good. Sure. Yeah, everything's at least good. I just feel like with Star Wars, I feel like they don't have anything else to go, anything else to go based off of, right? There's like no multiple universe kind of aspect. And I guess like, and 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 part of it too, like you said, or like what we said beforehand, is that like this is what happens when you don't have a unified vision, right? Yeah, um, they didn't have a unified vision, which is fine. It just is what it is. But I mean, yeah. like the thing—if you overthink some of this stuff, it just none of it makes sense, right? If you overthink, like, True. okay, like the Jedi Order is just like useless. Like, if you look at the trajectory of the movies, you're like, when has the Jedi Order ever been helpful? And you're like, well, effectively never. And at I least not that we've that, seen on yeah. screen. Like, I've never seen it. I don't know when they've ever been that helpful. Like, 
and I think that's the missing element that we don't that we have not been given and we've been given like you know like dude how awesome would it have been to see like more stories of like the corruption and the flaws of the Jedi Order and then see why we saw you know Luke's you know like lose the Jedi thing and like you know why it wasn't successful to him rebuild it kind of deal right with new ideas at least it would yeah. I feel like that I feel like that would have been cool to see like an actual story arc of the Jedi's and like, and, and I guess we got a little bit of that in the Clone Wars, right? Or Rebels. Right? I mean, you see that in there. I mean, like you see the fall of the Jedi Order, but like my thing is, is just like, they always like the point of Star Wars is like the good versus evil thing, but they've never really, I think, accurately depicted like why the Jedi Order is useful. Right. I mean, unless you go back like hundreds of years, probably, which at least cinematically and from a TV perspective has not been depicted very much. Like that's probably more in books and games. But if you just look at the movies and television and you watch all of that, you're like, okay, so the Jedi order has like never been useful is my takeaway from it. And like the Jedi order, like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what, like why, why they're around or why they're posed as like the light side of this kind of everlasting battle of good versus evil, because they seem like, completely ineffective that's yeah. a confusing thing and that's the thing i just think they screwed up but you just have to deal with it you're just like okay whatever whenever it's good i'll take it is my perspective now it's that's my perspective pretty much on star wars and the dc stuff whenever it's good i'll take it and i will accept the fact that it's not well interconnected in the same way that i think marvel is well interconnected which is hard I should point that out. Like, that wasn't easy for, for Marvel to do that. And I think some people right. would also argue now at this point, like, it's a little repetitive and not cool. I think it's awesome, but... I, yeah, I, I'm 100% with you on board. I, like I said, like, so far, we've had, like, a unified vision with Marvel, and, like, even even to, like, their low-tier stuff, it's fine. I still think, like, what is fine has been better than some of the... Some of the uh, just DC movies that we've been given, you know. So it's just kind of like we've been, we, you know, not until recently have we started seeing an uprise in great content of DC and seeing them find their own voice, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, yeah. Could, could yeah. I get, you know, I think I, I think these filmmakers are, are like, and why I feel like I go back to what I said. I feel like DC or Warner Brothers is letting these movies now be more filmmaker driven. Which I think it's it's great because I think that again going going back to like Suicide thing, the Suicide Squad is that David Ayer didn't get his vision of the movie. The studio's like, oh, this is too, this too that. We got to do a lot of reshoots. And I actually would yeah. want to see just because I'd be curious. I'd want to see like a director's cut of what David Ayer's vision was, and maybe oh, that was might have been better. I don't better. care about that. I mean, I mean, I'm just curious. I would, I would, I would. But anyways, that's no here nor there. But okay, anyway, I, shifting back to the Peacemaker just very quickly, what I'm going to say is my takeaway from this whole series. One, yeah. John Cena is an incredible actor. should not be underestimated <laughs> at all. Very, very good. Sure. Very good actor. Two, James Gunn is capable of making almost any character interesting, sympathetic, nuanced, and complicated. Yep. Uh, here's really funny something funny about, about John, John Cena apparently like I forgot what he like where I read it from but in an article he said he apologized to to The Rock Dwayne Johnson um because John Cena was giving him shit for like only appearing in, in you know uh at WWE or WWF or whatever I forgot the, what the current one that he was in but 
Yeah, he would only you know attend these wrestling matches when it like was was uh when he was only available, and that he wouldn't like commit something you know. Well, he wouldn't prioritize going to like these wrestling events sometimes, you know. But John Cena apologized because now he gets how busy The Rock has been with making his career in movies and whatnot. And now that now that John Cena's in that kind of that same route, he's like, yeah, I get why this is like that. Um, so I thought it was kind of funny. And on another good note is that there has been a green light for season two in Peacemaker, so we'll be getting a season two. So I'm pretty ecstatic just to see what um, what Dean's going to bring to the table. Yeah, no, it's a great show. And it really satisfies the, uh, like I said, I think it really satisfies kind of the the itch for season three of The Boys, which just got released yeah. in June. Oh, June. June, yep, June. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and then I don't know when it's going to come out, but I know Amazon announced the Lord of the Rings show, which I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be really interested in watching that because I am a fan of that, that universe also. Um, yeah. So, didn't watch Peacemaker. If not, it's really fun. I've had a lot of fun watching that show. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, we're going to go on to our like next segment, which is also DC related. Andrew has taken on the responsibility of uh, watching as many Batman movies as possible before watching the Batman. Uh, so, how has it? I'm going to ask you a couple questions, right? I want to know are these movies still. I mean, what 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 is still like you know? Is there anything that's like that didn't date well? And also, who do you think is the best Batman now after watching after like watching a bunch of these? The funny thing is, is the date well thing. I I mean, I know that a lot of people. So for reference, so the movies I watched, I watched Batman, I watched Batman Returns, I watched Batman Forever, I watched Twenty Minutes of batman and robin not because i didn't like it but because uh it just it it was just i I shifted over to the other one so i just i just missed that one by a little bit and then i watched all three christopher nolan batman movies um and what are your ratings it's interesting because i think the best one i mean this is rough because i am inclined to put the, I'm inclined to put the Batman as number one, but I don't know yet. I think it's somewhere. I mean, the Dark Knight I still would put up there a lot. I mean, like one or two. Effectively, it'd be like the Dark Knight or the Batman. I haven't decided yet. But I think in terms of like the ones that I like the most are the ones that like the director. You could tell got full control, which is kind of interesting because it dovetails into the previous conversation. So for me, I actually like I like Batman Returns a lot more than Batman '89. And I think it's just because Batman Returns was like full blown, like this is Tim Burton's vision of Batman, right? Like Batman, the first one is great, but like, you know, the one with the penguin and like the Gotham is just so much darker and like gothic and everything. Like it's just clearly exactly what Tim Burton wanted to do with, you know, the movie and the characters and the environment. So I like that one a lot. And one of the reasons why I like the new one a lot is because I also think they did the same thing where it's just like, they really dedicated and stuck to the tone and the direction that the film director wanted. Um, so I don't know if I have a real good ranking, but I will. I, I do like the question of like who's the best Batman. Um, I would put 
I really, really, I really do like uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman, um, but I think Michael Keaton's is still really, really up there. Um, I really like how quiet Michael Keaton's character is during his Batman movies. He's got this really kind of strange quietness to him a lot, especially during the first one. He doesn't have a lot of, he doesn't speak very much in it. And then he does that weird, crazy thing with the Joker where he's just like going nuts. And you're like, what the hell is this? Where he's screaming and yelling. Um, and even though I love Christian Bale, I think some of the villains have carried those ones a lot more. It's not a side on Christian Bale. He's up against like some pretty strong competition, though, I think. I will say Val Kilmer is totally forgettable as as Batman, and Tommy Lee Jones sucks as Two-Face. Um, there it is. <laughs> but it's really interesting to compare them, because, I mean, like, the thing I've always... I, I think the Nolan ones are really interesting to go back to. I think it's I it's Nolan's fixation on making everything really really realistic. I think in retrospect is very interesting and strange. Because one of the reasons I wasn't excited about this Batman movie, the newest one, is because I was like, oh gosh, they're just gonna make it like hyper grounded and realistic, and I just don't know why everyone wants to do that constantly with Batman. I I think Nolan almost had kind of almost like that's really like his obsession was like I have to make this as realistic as possible kind of thing. Which is fine if that's your vision for the character. But then when I think about some of the things that don't fit anymore, it's kind of interesting. Like, I think Batman is hyper-realistic, um, maybe to a fault. And then Two-Face is not realistic. Like, what happens to Two-Face's face? It looks incredible. Like, it looks awesome. But I'm also just like, this doesn't fit into this world that you've built. Because you've built Batman to be very, very realistic. And, like, this is physically impossible. What, like, how fucked up half of you know two faces faces like it just it wouldn't happen like he would be dead i think right but he went with it because it looked cool but then like in retrospect i look at that i'm like well like the world you build like this really doesn't fit so well to be honest and then when you go back and i know there's a lot of weird reasons why i think the dark knight rises isn't good first of all the title sucks do you think that too <laughs> the title's bad it shouldn't be called the dark knight rises it should be called something else rises you have Batman Begins, the, the Dark Knight, and then the Dark Knight. Like they should have, like there should have been a third word for Batman. I maybe. I think it's a really good title. I mean, I, I guess the name makes sense because, like, you know, from what the Dark Knight to to the third one, the Dark Knight Rises, is because uh, he's gone for eight years, right? Because the uh, Batman, the third Batman, takes place eight years later. Yeah, but I just think um, they should use a different phrase than the Dark Knight. But anyway, that's just a bit of a tangent and probably like crazy nitpicky. But it's also weird because I think he doesn't commit to Bane. He doesn't commit to Bane being realistic or unrealistic. You know, sure. Like Bane has the mask. They ask him these questions. What? I was gonna, I was gonna ask you before we get to Bane because I want to talk about Bane. But okay. what do you think about this? Vengeance is here. What, using yeah. that as vengeance as, as... yeah no or, or vengeance is here but batman vengeance, vengeance is here <laughs> no that's worse more okay i'm trying to give you an alternative andrew what you give me something i have nothing i just think it's a weird title because it's 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 repetitive um but anyway 
we're getting back to Bane before I, we should talk about okay. Heath Ledger before, before we move on to the Batman. This is just my tangential, like weird thoughts about watching all these Batman movies. I think the weird thing about Bane is, is he didn't commit to Bane being realistic or unrealistic. Uh, I mean, he sure. clearly wanted to ground Bane a lot. And they have this discussion, like, do you wear the mask? Like, why do you wear the mask? And then, like, it just seems like it's for nothing, right? Because he says this thing, oh, no one cared about me before I wear the mask. So it's like, okay, so it's theatrical. But then at the end, when, like, he punches him and, like, that seems to weaken him. And you're like, what the fuck? So does he need the mask? Does he not need the mask? And it's just, just this really weird thing where I just think, like, Christopher Nolan wanted it to be hyper-realistic, except when it was inconvenient, and I guess sure. it was, I think it was inconvenient for his his version of Two-Face, and it was inconvenient for the final confrontation between Bane and Batman. Because he, like, hits him in the, you know, you watch it watch again, and you're like, you know, he's fighting him, and he, like, you know, loosens some of his mask, and then, like, Bane gets weakened again. So you're like, okay, so, like, there's something there, but, like, I don't know if there's anything there. Yeah. So I feel like that was well, kind I of like, botched. I like your explanation of, like, the, the actual comic book thing, where, like, he is a luchador, he is actually smart, you know, and it makes sense that he, like, uses the chemicals or whatever to, like, make him be stronger than the Batman so he can, like, physically, like, take him down and be tanky, you know? Yeah, I think, like, it's just weird. I mean, like, and I know, like, I, I, I would love to know the full story on this because I just, I find it difficult to believe that Christopher Nolan was really committed to this movie. And, like, I don't even, that could sound even rude as a criticism because he made, like, a multi-million dollar movie that I'm claiming he's not committed to. But... I've always just like kind of gotten a feeling that because of what happened after the dark Knight, like it's a very different movie. You'll never really know what his real third one would have been had, you know, tragedy not struck. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it always kind of makes you wonder. So like, I don't know. I just think I, but anyway, my, my overall take is that like, I love the, I love Christopher Nolan's, idea of the universe but i do think it's weird that he wanted everything hyper realistic but then there's these scenarios where they're not hyper realistic and i think in retrospect some of those scenarios kind of like don't fit so well anymore they're small scenarios anyway so i guess it's not such a big deal um but i do think i mean like i still think that dark knight is still so good and just seeing like i think the amount of panic that the joker causes in the dark knight is still really really awesome like the amount of like chaotic nature that that um Heath Ledger brought to that role you it's just it's, I was gonna say Jared Leto by accident it's <laughs> it's really quite incredible though because like it really is like he really pushes Batman to the extreme and when you go back and watch it like Gordon is constantly freaked out like and there's this real sense of urgency you know throughout the movie that they maintain yeah. even though that movie's really long and there's a lot of different directions it splinters into um like it's all maintained throughout the the whole thing and also like it's a very important movie just for historical reasons because it made so much money and like all these other things but yeah no Heath Ledger's Joker is probably and I think I talked to you a little about it but we'll talk about it more when we talk about the Batman but I feel like Heath Ledger Joker set like a new grounds for like an actual like scary ass villain because that's the thing like the joker and the way that he presents himself the way that he such to put him out like as grounded and everything it it was just amazing how he actually like put like the chaotic and actual fear into like you know everything that happened you know kind of deal with his own method 
Um, yeah. Which, again, like you said, I would have loved to see, like, you know, Nolan's vision was having the third film include was including the Joker being involved. I think, that's, like you said, he had that in mind. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about it, and I guess the intention was, like, Christopher Nolan likes to approach his movies as if it, like, it's a single thing, and Mm -hmm. and doesn't necessarily think that it's going to be a trilogy, or there's going to be a sequel, or whatever, but I guess the assumption was, after that one, they, while Heath Ledger was still alive, they, most of the people who worked on the film, kind of, it, it seemed like it was trending, and that, you know, they would bring him back for something. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, like, that obviously would have been nice to see, and I am I would assume it probably would have been a better, more interesting movie than what, what we ended up getting. Um, although I do like the Bane voice. I'll say that. I do really like the Bane voice, other funny things that I like about the movies. I think Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer is probably one of the better on-screen romances they've done. It's funny that, like, they keep trying to do these repeated on-screen romances with Bruce and um some random character throughout like the first four movies and like i think most of them fall kind of flat besides the catwoman one mm-hmm. um but i also just really loved <laughs> danny devito's penguin is just so funny and ridiculous and weird and gross <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah i think they're all really i don't know they're all very yeah they're all very different. They're all very interesting. I think Batman's this very special character where he's just so incredibly malleable. And that's one of the reasons why I want to see some people lean into the more ridiculousness. Like I was telling you before we stopped, like, or before we started that I, you know, even though I was only like 20 minutes into Batman and Robin, I would make the argument that I think Batman and Robin is better than Batman forever because I think Batman and Robin looks like it, it, it commits to the tone. Right. Like they're like, we're going to make this goofy and weird. And we're like, it seemed like they tried, you know, they're going for the updated kind of, you know, Adam West esque thing. And I, I appreciate the commitment to the tone because I think Batman Forever was that kind of like half assed thing where they're like, OK, we want to make this more kid friendly because Burton stuff's like probably terrified some children. As usual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you're like a little kid and you see that movie, you're like, oh, God, like if you are, oh, especially if, like you're like maybe a, a little more conservative of a parent. Like, you let your kid watch a Batman movie, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, especially in, like, what is it, like, 1993 or something? Yeah. Well, yeah, 1992 was Batman Returns, and then 1989 was the first one. And then in 1993, why Tim Burton didn't really direct, but, like, had his aesthetic, you know, like, visionary thing was for the, the Nightmare Before Christmas. And that movie for that age, like, for the kids' movie was, like, very creepy and like weird um but it was his style yeah it's his style that's why i like batman for that's why i like batman returns so much because it's his style like it's definitely his thing so but there yeah it was interesting to go back and watch a lot of them because there's so many different like the way they portray the character is just like it, it really varies i think quite a lot um and they've been doing it for such a long time like i didn't go back and obviously watch any adam west stuff and we're not even including the cartoons, which, I mean, you can make the case that, you know, Kevin Conroy is really maybe the best Batman. Um, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, his voice is always going to be like, when I read a comic, it's going to be his voice. You know? So. Yeah, that's the one that I heard too. Yeah. Like, if I hear him talking, like, that's the. That has perfected the the Batman voice, or like how Bruce Wayne and everyone sounds like. This is that 
he's an incredible voice actor, and so he he yeah. gave me the '90s animated Batman to me, and and I liked that one. I thought was awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, really so, quick. Though, I'm gonna do a quick. I'm gonna do super fast ranking before we go in. So I'm just gonna do it off the right, top of my head. Uh, Dark it. Knight, uh, The Batman, Batman Returns, um, Batman Begins. No, Batman Begins is number five, and then what's number four? I guess eighty-nine. Okay. Go with that. Okay. Let's do all right. Top five. I like it. I like it. Let's see, I don't even know, man, because my my heart is tied with like, and I was telling who I was telling. I was telling my friends over text, like, for very for different reasons, right? Because right now my two top favorite Batman is the Dark Knight and and uh, the Batman. Right, but it's for the two different reasons. Um, and I'll just give you the Dark Knight reason is because of Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, yeah, I think that's the real attachment there. It depends. Yeah, for me, it it depends on how attached you are to his his portrayal of the Joker in terms of whether or not I like that one more or the Batman more. Because if you're asking um, me who the best Batman is, I I would be inclined to say Robert Pattinson right now. Yep. Right and then now, I would be I would say Robert Pattinson. Uh, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, yeah, or maybe even Kevin Conroy, Christian Bale, and that's no, you know, slide to Christian Bale. It's just, you know, it's tough competition. Exactly. Uh, I do. I would say honestly that, like, yeah, that Christian Bale is, you know, I don't want to see what's the weakest link because he did a phenomenal job, but I feel like he wasn't the strength of the movies that that were pulled. The, the villains were more interesting, like you said. Than uh, than he was, and so with the Batman, it's a completely different. It's completely different. Um, it's all about the Batman. Um, the the so, Nolan ones did have the best Alfred, though. He's a very good Alfred. That's true. And that's Lucius true. Fox like is is great. Obviously, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox was incredible. Okay, you got okay. You got to tell me who is your best. Okay, because I mean, obviously, this is gonna give it away, but whatever. Who is your favorite Commissioner Gordon? Maybe the new one. What is his name? Is it something? Thomas? Jeffrey Wright. Jeff- Jeffrey Wright. Okay, Jeffrey Wright. I I really liked him. No, I like. We should we should probably just start talking about the Batman. But I like their I like their you know, <laughs> Batman cop. I like their relationship a lot more than than in the Nolan one. I like that. But we should okay. We should just jump into the Batman. I think we're there. All right. So let's get into a review of the Batman. All right. This was. Okay, so I want to just first off say this is the director is Matt Reeves. He is a phenomenal filmmaker. He has made uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. I think I don't know if he did the first one, but he did the other ones, which I, were I don't think he did really the first good. one. I think they, I yeah. think that was someone else. I think he took over. I think though. it was yeah. I think he did the second and third one, which they looked stunning and they were great. I really loved what he did with those those the next two. Um, I don't remember what other movie he's done, but because of those Planet of the Apes movies, I was I like his work. Um, and so now I was given the Batman, and um, I'm happy that like and going full circle, I'm so happy that they went was like his vision and everything. Um, yeah, they definitely. Yeah. Oh. They dedicated. They they stuck to it. You know. Yeah. So overall, this movie. I, overall, I love this movie. It was great. It is a three-hour-long movie, 
but my first impressions was I, yeah, I loved it from start to finish. What about you? You know, as, as negative as I was on this, and I was probably pretty negative on this movie leading up into it, I thought it was really, really good. Um, there you go. There you go. No, no, I think it, I think it was great. I think they they fully dedicated themselves to his vision of the Batman. Um, it's the most artistic Batman movie that's probably ever been made. And even though it's three hours, I don't think it feels like three hours. Unless you have to pee halfway through, maybe it feels like three hours. But like, if you don't have to pee, yeah, I don't think it does. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I'll give you some of the. I mean, obviously we have Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and Batman, which I think now he is my favorite Batman. Uh, when we go more into the spoiler talk or whatever talk, um, we can go into like I can give you a little more about my insight about how I feel about him as Bruce Wayne. Um, we have Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, Catwoman, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, um, or not Commissioner yet, he's Lieutenant James Gordon in this one. Uh, freaking Colin Farrow as the Penguin. Yeah, not a very, recognizable. A very disgusting, scarred version of one of uh, America's prettiest actors. And I just oh, no, he's not America's like, prettiest actor. Is he, is he from the UK? Irish. He's Irish, yeah. No, I think he's, yeah. He's Irish, and, like, he had a great accent, you know, and, like, they kept the penguin sharp nose, which I like, um, but unrecognizable, and that was just phenomenal. Um, and we had Andy Serkis as Alfred, which I'm a big fan of uh, Andy Serkis, and Matt, Matt Roots and him, because, again, uh, Andy Serkis played uh, Caesar in Planet of the Apes. So they had some... Uh, they have some history working together, so I'm happy that he became the Alfred. Uh, but yeah, um, let's just honestly let's get into spoilers. We're just going to talk about how we feel about it and like just moments and whatever, you know. So uh, my first thing now that we brought it up, like, what what did you think about him as a Bruce Wayne so far? Because I feel like we're just barely getting to know his. I guess I'm just barely getting to know him, right? Which I think it gives me a little bit forgiving. I'm like that he's not the typical playboy Bruce Wayne, you know? I think for for the character they made, I think that's actually fine because they definitely created this, like, there's a, you know, they created a character who, like, is more comfortable as Batman. He wants to be Batman. He doesn't care about Bruce Wayne. You know, he doesn't care about his, like, normal life outside of his, you know, his mission to like kind of clean up Gotham. So, I mean, and, and you don't see Bruce Wayne much in this. There's like those one major scene and then there's some small handful of interactions with Alfred, but he's really not Bruce Wayne at all in this movie. But I think because you have such a more psychologically damaged version of, of Batman slash Bruce Wayne, it really makes a lot of sense. And it's totally fine with me um, that we don't really get to see him. I mean, like he's just so much more like obsessed and fixated on 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 his mission than you've seen in the other ones and i actually think the psychological kind of damage aspect works really well because i mean really to do what batman does you probably have to have some kind of weird kind of you know post-traumatic stress disorder or some kind of or like obsessive compulsive disorder like just something weird something's weird about you and you're like i'm gonna do this and i don't care about anything else kind of thing so I think it was really, I think it was fine. And it's kind of, it's it's cool to be able to see that much of just like Batman doing his work the whole time. 
and kind of his uncomfortableness um, of when he's not Batman. Here's what I like first off love about this Batman Matt Reeves Batman vision is that like we finally have been given more of a detective Batman. Like and I feel like we haven't really seen much of that side with the other Batmans and again I have not revisited the the Tim Burton there, movies. In there's a, long a little time. bit. There's a little bit in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Like he takes the fingerprint off the bullet and the stuff and you know, I, I hadn't remembered because I, I think you're right. I, I do appreciate the fact that he's like at the crime scenes with Gordon. He's looking at stuff like, you know, the police are like freaked out that he's there. But everyone's like, well, OK, whatever. He's helpful. Like he's weird, but okay, yeah. not going to say anything. Um, but at the very beginning of the Dark Knight, you know, when they're looking for the money in the vault, like he comes to a crime scene at one point and then, you know, he's there. The other cops are there and they're also kind of hesitant and there's another scene where, like, you know, he says, I need some time with the room before your, you know, your people contaminate it. So it, it, it's a little bit, but not nearly as much. You're right. Yeah. And I like that we saw, we saw more of that in this and uh, and still make him look like a badass. Because, again, we forget that, like, that Batman isn't just about being an amazing crime fighter. He's also yeah. very smart, you know. Yeah. And I like, that, I like yeah, that we're seeing more of a very smart Batman. Yeah. And I really like his bat suit actually a lot, to be perfectly honest. You know, the thing I like the most about it is they you know, they've had this complication with like the turning of the head, whether or not to let him turn his head or not. You know, obviously, you know, Batman, you know, Michael Keaton's suit can't turn his head. It was it was designed to look cool. There was limitations in terms of costume work. And then in Batman begins, he couldn't turn his head either. They even have the joke like later on with Lucius Fox that he wants to be able to turn his head and but the problem is, is that what it what it does, I think, visually is like if you let him turn his head too much, like it makes his his actual head look like kind of like a lollipop. Like if there's too much bulk on his head, his, his neck gets very tiny yeah. looking and it doesn't look very cool. But what I think they've solved here is they gave him this kind of like this this collar that gives yeah. him a little more mass around it. And I really like the collar and I really love the way that the, the cape drapes on his shoulders I think that looks really nice just from like a visual perspective in terms of what I want Batman to look like. So I really do like the collar and the cape and the way it's draped over. I like the mask a lot. And if you look at his mask too, this is like really detailed, but like, you know, his mask cuts up much closer to his ears than Christian Bale's mask. Like, you know, Christian Bale's mask is really just like around the mouth and it kind of comes up towards his chin a little bit at the bottom. I, I think that Robert Pattinson's is a lot better. I think when you like, you know, expose a little bit more of the, you know, the bottom half of the head, it looks a little better. So I think this bat suit really, really nailed it. Actually, I think it looks really, really good um, in comparison to some of the other ones. Doesn't have too many lines like some of the others. I mean, it's plated. It's clearly, it's clearly designed <laughs> off of the Arkham book, the Arkham. Um, video games which are some of my favorite video games but have the worst artistic direction i could ever imagine for like, like all of the characters in it but at least right, it takes the right, good right. things and i think it smooths it out a lot and makes it look good um i could stand a little color it'd be nice but it's gray so it's not all black at least um a little yellow would be nice but you know that's fine right. i think his physical presence though is something i really appreciated too like his physical presence is so much different than the way that Christian Bale 
dictate, like kind of portrayed it. Um, I love the intro scene uh, on that subway. The way he comes in, he just like walks in, you know, through the shadows and exposes himself um, in the light. And it's just like, I think it's really, really awesome and badass. And just like the way that he fights people, it's just like so powerful. Like if you go and look at the Christian Bales, it's like very kind of Kung Fu karate-ish, you know, the way that he moves his arms and stuff. But I think Robert Pattinson's is just like, it's just like brute force, power, anger, like that he's pushing through. And I really think that comes across in the way that the movie was filmed and the way that Pattinson moves. I I 100% like the after I can't the theme song every time he comes out you know when he appears I just I yeah the two and, and it's only like scoring. two notes right it's like those yeah, two exactly. notes but it's it's really effective I just it was so good and like I just loved like again it was just like, I loved how gossipy and emo it was and everything like it was just what I wanted from a Batman movie and just the, the scoring was like him coming in and like putting in that presence of the fear that like he is darkness he can come out from anywhere so i loved how they just portrayed that perfectly in the opening scene Um, yeah no i think he's a really intimidating batman he's um and you can hear his steps in and stuff and like i mean like even if you go look at some of those scenes like some of the scenes where he's going into the club and he just like walks through like he knocks on the door and he's just like he's just standing there right I like, like both scenes now where he's like, you know who I am? Well, he does it all three times, right? He does the thing with the yeah, club. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time he goes as Batman, second time he goes as Bruce yep. Wayne, third time he sneaks in. Yeah. I just love how both times, like, the twins, the same twins that answer the door, they're like, you know, like, yeah. You know, Batman, like, oh, and then second, like, oh, shit, you're Bruce Wayne. But I just, I, I those little things I always like when they, they get clever with those kind of throwbacks and whatnot. Yeah, but and, I just I love. And, no, no, you go ahead. No, no, that was it. That's all I had to say. I think when he's walking to the club, he just has he has no fear. Um, he's just going through. He's just like beating people down. He's he's intimidating. He's powerful. He you know it's 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 really good. And the funny thing is, is there's even a similar scenes in, in the Dark Knight where. Like Christian Bale, I think he, you know, he goes to approach Maroni in a club. And so he goes to the club. They're playing a lot of techno music. And it's, you know, again, it's kind of the more kind of karate-esque kind of Batman fighting that, that Christopher Nolan had directed. But, like, you know, Robert Pattinson is just like, he's just like a fucking bulldozer, you know? And I feel like, so there's a comparison between, like, you know, Christopher Nolan and, like, Robert Pattinson, like, this is where you can tell kind of, like, the writing. Not that the writing wasn't bad at all for Nolan's style, but I feel like it definitely presented more of, like, why Robert Pattinson's Batman would be more like, a, like you said, a bulldozer. Because, like, he's not holding back any punches. He has his rage. He's he's going to fucking wail on you and not hold back, right? Because yeah. cause he's, like, because he's a young, angry Batman. Because we'll get into fairly... No, he's very angry, too. He's much more angry, I think, than than Christian Bale's was, or at least he de- he he depicts it on screen as way more angry. Yeah, and that's the thing I appreciate about the writing in this one. Like we don't he, we don't like he, you know how like we talked about the last DC movie about like the character arcs, right? And why I feel like we needed three hours for this one, at least for Batman's part, um, is that like Harley Quinn had a great character arc, right? And in this one, 
I feel like we were given an amazing character arc was Batman because like he was careless and angry and like we're not going to hold back um, and was offered being like you got to be careful or whatever and it's like I don't care about my Bruce Wayne image and all this kind of crap and then so where he um, you know to the point where like he um, Alfred almost dies right because uh, they set up a bomb at the Wayne Manor um, where Batman like Bruce Wayne actually like gets that fear again of like oh crap I have you know some stuff like you know I can't lose and I'm like yeah I gotta be careful you know with like people who I love and like who I still care about um, and then towards like the final scene where like and I loved how this was kind of interesting too where uh in the last scene when there's a bunch of, like you know there everything's flooded and like he cuts with electricity and he goes down and he becomes the light for the people you know because when all the other riddler mimics you know come on well they say the line like i'm vengeance you know and i feel like that was a turning point for batman realizing like oh like you know that's not the image i want to hold you know i want to be a symbol of, of hope in the darkness. As Superman is a symbol of hope in the sun, Batman is a symbol of hope in the darkness. You know, so I kind of appreciated now looking yeah, back no, he at goes, that, that arc. He goes through a good arc. Okay, maybe we should shift a little bit. You know, we haven't even mentioned um, the main villain in this one at all, actually, yet. Yeah, we, get, um, we have Paul Dano's, Riddler. Paul Dano's Riddler. This guy is so baby-faced looking. I'm just looking it up now. He's 37. He doesn't look like a day over 30 to me. No, he looks good for his age. My, my he looks really good for his like, age. I wouldn't have guessed that he was that old. Yeah, I mean, and he looks good to play a Riddler. Here's my thing that I was talking to you about the, the Heath Ledger thing. I feel like these actors or like the writing are trying to like get to that level of scary and crazy to Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, which I get because it was such an iconic character, but I feel like it's it's kind of it. I don't know if it's kind of hurt. I don't want, I don't know what the right words are. I don't want to say like cause I feel like my first instance like because it's hurting the ability to make a villain in a different creative way, right? Than to make him like kind of grounded like the Joker was and like as I think, scary. I think the difficulty here is that like all of the, the villains have to be like kind of psychopaths. And it's difficult for them to kind of differentiate some of the features of these psychopaths. This is kind of the problem that I was talking about with like Tommy Lee Jones's um, uh, Two-Face. Like there's no differentiating factor between Two-Face and Jack Nicholson's Joker. They're both just psychopaths. It's weird. I think there's a lot of differentiating features here between... Paul Dano's Riddler and Heath Ledger's Joker, but I kind of understand you. I mean, Heath Ledger really was this agent of chaos, right? Like, he really was. Like, he has, you know, he's this guy, he's acting like he has no plan. He clearly has a plan. Um, I think Heath Ledger, his Joker played it really close to the chest a lot of the time. Like, he, he had a plan in his mind, but he was always willing to just, like, sink it all to the ground just to kind of go with what's happening in the moment. Like you have the scene where he's like seeing um, if Batman will like run him down with the motorcycle. He didn't plan that. He just wanted to see. And he could have, right? Like theoretically, right? He could just gotten run down by Batman if Batman was willing to make that move. He didn't. He had the scene where... Yeah. 
you know, he had the scene where Harvey Dent put a gun to his head, flipped a coin. He took that too. So I think, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker is this really interesting kind of like chaotic figure that's really opportunistic, but is still very chaotic and just very well described kind of like, you know, especially he described it so well with so many analogies, like the dog chasing the cars, right? Kind of thing. He's just like, I just go. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm keep going. Um, but I think this Riddler was much more, I would say, much more methodical in terms of what he wanted to do. And he's like, this is the plan, this, 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 and this. And I kind of yeah. get the sense that if you caught the Riddler off guard, he'd be fucked. Because yeah. he's and only I, good so long as everything's going according to his plan. Yep. Yep. And we see that, right? We see, like, the there's a scene where he finally gets captured. He gets himself captured, right, as he wanted, um, where... We're in this kind of because, you know, Batman is still kind of a young new detective figure and everything. Now he didn't get the last piece of the puzzle, right? Um, about all the bombs going off and like, uh, and him not agreeing with the Riddler. And he's like, that's not, you know, that's not part of the plan and blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like I kind of just wish the Riddler had a different kind of tone, I guess, because it gave me the Joker vibes, but order, like, you know, like you said, following orders and everything. But I still, Felt like he was giving me the um, this kind of crazy, crazy like camera and like yelling and everything kind of deal. I don't know. No, I I I get it. I understand what you mean. I mean, the thing is, is like this is the only negative I can really think about the movie. I have two negatives. One negative is I think the Riddler's costume is dumb. I will admit (laughs) it's it fits in with the movie a lot, especially with what he was trying to do. So I, you know, whatever. But I still think it's dumb. But at least it fits, so that's good. I'm glad that it fits yeah. and uh, everything. But, I, you know, the only other thing that I disliked was, um, you know, I've, I feel like they made Batman a little too bulletproof. And I really don't like this. And, you know, he gets fucked up by some of the gunfire. But, like, there are some times where, like, it seems like semi-automatic weapons, like, are, like, shot at him, like, point blank. And, like, they bounce off his armor. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Like, I feel like... I don't know. This is. I think it's really nitpicky because at least this Batman really does fuck up quite a bit and gets like he gets really injured frequently. Yeah, they should. But I just feel like the gun should have like you know like if he's gonna get shot point blank with a gun like that should have a real sense of like concern and like kind of fear that that's gonna like like that's gonna kill him. And like I just don't want him to like veer into like I'm Superman because I have like a suit of armor that's you know that's made out of vibranium kind of thing true so i think i think at times it was a little much but there were times where it like fucked him up enough i did really like the one scene where like when he jumps off with that squirrel suit like there was some real fear in his eyes like he hadn't done that before yeah like he has a pretty great and you don't see batman hesitate a whole lot typically but like when he gets up there he sees how far he is and he's like oh wow and he kind of like leans back but he's got to go, so he just goes. But it was interesting to see that they built in that like moment of hesitation for him. I, I loved it because he had like the oh shit kind of moment, but I got to go regardless of what happens. And he just kind yeah. of like, jumps off. And he does pretty well, but he fucks it up at the end, right? Like the umbrella gets stuck. Or not the umbrella, the, the parachute gets stuck. And, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of collapses. Um, but yeah, I get it. Like, I think it's really hard with the, with the psychopath. It's, and to be honest, like the Riddler and the Joker is so close. It's really hard to differentiate them besides the riddles. Yeah. But I mean, like, I feel like with the 
I don't know. I just don't, like you said, like, I think, like, you know, they're all, like I said, you know, have some kind of psychotic side to them, right? Why they all end up in an Arkham. I just feel like it was a little too, parts of it was, like, too cartoonish, you know, when it came to to Paul Dano's um, Riddler. Uh, and I feel like he was more calm and not as, like, goofy as the Riddler was, too. Because I guess, like, the last time I saw the Riddler was, I mean, live-action Jim Carrey, right? But obviously Jim Carrey's going to Jim Carrey it up. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, as for, like, the Batman animated series, like, I feel like he wasn't as, you know, cartoonish as that, you know? Like, that was more grounded and... Yeah, no, no, it's, it's still very grounded, I think. I mean, yeah, no, I get what you mean. I, I you know, I think it was, overall it was it was successful, but I understand what you mean. No, I'm just saying, I, not like you, I'm being nitpicky. Like, I, regardless, I like the motors, I like how the things were done. I, again, I enjoyed the crap out of everything. I'm just saying, like, those were probably, like, the, the weakest points for me. But besides that, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. I loved him. I loved that it was finally the Riddler as, as a villain. I've been wanting to see the Riddler as a villain. You know, so I think they did it really well. Um, and they just did some great setup. Like, we have a setup of like the penguin's gonna be like the new like kingpin boss person for Gotham, you know, and seeing his rise up. I think they're gonna do like a what is it like a um spinoff for you know, and him and seeing a penguin. Yeah, so they're doing two spinoffs one with the Gotham police, and is is Gordon gonna be in it? Uh, Jeffrey, tell me his name again. I don't think so. Okay, so it's just going to be the Gotham police or something? Yeah, and I feel like I'm not really... That doesn't sound too appealing to me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, there's a really awesome comic book about the Gotham police department that was great that maybe if they take inspiration from... I mean, the cool thing is, is like you just have the Gotham police part department like trying to deal with the fact that Batman exists, and you can really make... It's like, you know, okay. it's like any crime... I mean, like, you just do your typical um, police procedural... But in a world where Batman exists, which can be really, really interesting, right? Like you have like cops show up to like, you know, like a crime scene and like, you know, Batman's fucked up or contaminated this, the crime scene or they see the remnants of Batman. I mean, like you don't have to have him like you don't even want really him as the character so much as like these are the repercussions of like the police having to deal with all this other extra shit now. Right. I mean, it, like again, like, when we get to that point, if you watch it, then I'll probably, I'll be more, I'll probably be more inclined to check it out. Because you know, again, I mean, I'll probably watch it. like you said, yeah, if there's good inspiration behind it, and again, I could be wrong, it could be an amazing show. So I mean, so I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. So, um, but no, and then yeah, like I said, the Penguin's getting a spinoff. So we'll see, we'll see. I think the, I think DC is going in a in a good direction with trying to like how they're going to pump out their their content and i'm very excited that they're again why i think it's a good thing that these movies are now becoming more um filmmaker driven than than kind of like having the studio kind of like like we want to you know make sure that kids can watch this and we want to make sure that or like or or you know like making sure that like oh we need more jokes because it's too dark you know like no like the dark you know batman's always been a dark character he has a very big track you know tragic past and well i don't know if he's always been a dark he's been a dark character since the late 80s 
Okay, and you're right, because we talked about the Adam West, that was more, yeah, fun going. I mean, like, before that, I mean, like, there was this really turn where you had Batman Year One, The Dark Knight Rises, and then Batman 89, like, kind of all were released within a pretty short period of time, and that all of yeah. all of those really shifted, I think, the tone and the presence of Batman quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we should blame but, I mean, Frank like, Miller for the... Yeah, well, Frank, yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, you can pretty much blame Frank Miller and Alan Moore if you want. <laughs> um, for, like, kind of his, like, darker depiction. But like I said, he's one of the most malleable characters, and he works really well in other contexts, of like, more goofy, Silver age contexts. Like, um, you know, there is the Batman Brave and the Bull. It was a cartoon show that I love, and he's just really ridiculous and funny in that show. So he works in other ones, but, I mean, people obviously have an interest in doing the kind of more pulpy uh dark version of it which you know if it works it works like i said you know this one clearly really worked really well yeah yeah so i think what i think there's going to be a trilogy for for what has been signed up to do so it looks we'll like it more... I mean, i'm yeah i i'm really interested to know what super what super villains they go with i would just love for them just to like be okay with doing the ridiculousness like you don't have to make everything like you don't have to make it so that it could happen in our world like i think that's when it gets to be a little too much because like if you really want to go that far it's just like batman can't exist guys like i don't have to think that batman can't exist to enjoy the movie you know like he cannot exist like even even you know christopher nolan's version of batman cannot exist he would die like yep. it just wouldn't work. So I think you know, or Matt Matt Reeves, I think expressed some interest in in uh, Mr. Freeze. I think that would be very interesting, especially if you were just like a little willing to take some like, okay, like you know, this guy's in like cryogenic stasis, whatever. We're going with it. I, and I'm thing. down because I've always been interested in, honestly, like if they do it the like the comic book version, you know, or or even like the story behind. That we even saw was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Doctor Freeze. I would definitely like to see uh, a good version of that done. You know, uh, yeah, I think so. it could be done. I feel like yeah, we can bring it up again. Like again, besides, you I know, think, I think Batman has some of the best villains to work with. Yeah, I think Freeze could be interesting. I've always thought Clayface would be really cool. I don't know how they do that in live action, but I just think you know, there's a lot there you can do with Clayface. Um. There's some other more realistic, like, villains, I guess you could, you know, you could use Hush, and there's kind of even, you know, a little small re- reference to Hush in this. I don't know if you know who Hush is. There's, like, a childhood friend of, of Bruce's who comes back and kind of kind of freaks some chaos into his life. Um, Killer Croc would be cool. Um, Isn't that not the, like, the owls? Thing also a big thing the court too. of owls would be cool i you know i'm 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 of a opinion that the court of owls is, is for a very particular time like one of the cool things about the court of owls is the fact that like batman was so off you know it was so surprised by their existence and i think in order for batman to be surprised he has to be like a, an established kind of like i've been doing this for a long time kind of thing got it yeah, yeah. but i'm sure you can fit it in in other ways I think Deathstroke is really awesome. Like, you could pull in Deathstroke as, like, you know, a villain, too. And, like, he's a really interesting, like, physical um, threat to Batman because, you know, he's he's also a trained assassin. 
Yeah. I mean, again, like we have the oper- the the possibilities for like another good villain to place in this movie is really good. Like they have amazing villains that could even they can go off, right? Even if they do like the uh, Mad Hatter guy, you know, he's kind of grounded. I mean, um, there's more ridiculous ones. You could do Condiment King. Do you remember that episode of the Batman the animated series? This guy just sprays mustard and ketchup on people. No, I didn't see that one. I haven't. Don't no, haven't got to that one yet. But that oh man, funny. you should just go to YouTube and type in Condiment King and just watch the five minute <laughs> clip. It's super funny. He um, literally just sprays mustard, mustard and ketchup on people, and no one takes him serious. You got Kite Man. He has a cool kite. You've probably seen him from the Harley Quinn TV series. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, so you can yeah. do Kite Man. Um, but I'm interested, you know. I mean, I'm I'm curious yeah. if, if Zoe Kravitz comes back because they kind of seem like they just kind of, you know, I really like their, you know, their relationship throughout the movie, but it seems like they were kind of moving her out of the way to, like, not be in a sequel. I feel like she'll come back. I feel like she's the person, because, again, that's what it's always been like. She's comes, she's back and forth. Um, and I really would love to see a, like, another Poison Ivy redone, you know? Yeah, Poison Ivy is also really good. He's a good character. So, and, and and the thing is, like, I feel like Matt Reeves, or I feel like they kind of know that, like, honestly, like, Gossam already, to me, does not seem like a realistic place, you know, livable and everything, you know? It seems like a really messed up place. So I already feel like they can go with, like, more, you know, goofy, not goofy, but like, you know, they can go more unrealistic, can, especially. The, yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing. This is like, just like, let's just acknowledge that like something weird happened and we don't know why it happened kind of thing. Like, oh, there's yeah. a person who can mold his body into different shapes. Like, that's fine. Like, you don't have yeah. to explain it. Like, you don't have to necessarily explain all the scientific rationale for like how to or not how um, Mr. Freeze is in some kind of cryogenic suit. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not the point. Um, so here, what do you think about this too? Because at the very end, they we do get presented a Joker. I think if they're going to do the Joker, they should do him in a different context. And him as a team up with the Riddler is interesting. I assume I'm I don't know if it'll be the next one because then I assume whenever they do the Joker, they're going to pull the Riddler back in. So it's. I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be perceived by the audience as kind of repetitive as like, okay, so the sequel is about the Riddler plus the Joker. So I, I don't know, because like, you know, theoretically, you're, you know, the most you have is three movies. I would go with, based on what I've seen, my guess is that the second one will be less related to Riddler and the Joker. And then the third one pulls Riddler and the Joker back in. Sure. I, isn't there like a comic book called like the Battle for Gotham, and that's like the, uh, there's like a rivalry between Riddler and Joker? Yeah, there's like a war, like the 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 war of jokes and riddles, I think. Um, but I mean, I don't think that's what they're setting this up for. It doesn't look like it, at least, because in that comic they were just like like opposing crime organizations fighting each other really early on in Batman's career. I mean, which would be cool because I mean, we have plenty. If we got that introduced, right, and we have some of like them work like doing stuff in the second one or whatever, and then the third one could be, you know, like that kind of like chaotic battle, you know, Batman trying to take on both, right, as they both fight each other, 
I don't know. Again, the possibilities are so out there, and I'm just I'm excited to see that. The, you know, I'm hoping that it's done well, but I'm but this gets me re excited to watch the next Batman movie that comes out with with you know Robert Pattinson. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, like we mentioned this before. I mean, they're gonna have Michael Keaton come back in the Flashpoint movie, and yep. Ben Affleck, and I don't know what that's gonna do. I would assume that's going to be wholly unrelated to what this is, but can you be. really never know. So who knows? Can be. To be honest. Yeah, because this is the part where. Oh, sorry, go for it. Well, I just there must have been a reason why they didn't let James Gunn use Batman, right? And I assume the reason that they didn't let him use Batman is related to the fact that there's two Batman in the Flash movie. Right. Yeah, it is. We're getting, yeah, we're getting like a, yeah, we're getting multiple Batmans in this one coming up, I guess. But yeah, I mean, uh, again, we'll, we'll see how, again, we're going to have like this multiverse thing happening with DC and Marvel, right? So um, I'm curious to see how they're going to, like you said, I feel like the Batman might be its own thing, but with, allowing it knowing that it's in a dc world where there's crazy crap happening all the time yeah i mean they technically already established the dc multiverse because they did the air you know they did the crisis on infinite planet crisis on infinite worlds crossover on on the cw verse and they showed they showed the titans in that they had ezra miller do a cameo in that like they established a multiverse before marvel technically established a multiverse too um and with Flashpoint, they're obviously reinforcing the existence of the multiverse anyway. So, like, you don't have to directly ins- say it necessarily, but, like, you just, like, insinuate. If you show that a multiverse exists, you could just assume, like, the Batman exists in the multiverse, which also you don't have to, I mean, like, you shouldn't even have to necessarily explicitly state it either, because it seems like audiences are smart enough now to understand that this is a thing that's happening. Yeah. Uh, which is also something I really liked about this movie, actually. Like, I don't think it holds. I mean, I think it, you know, it just kind of put, told a story inside of a world that was already really well built, and it didn't necessarily over-explain a lot of stuff. Maybe that doesn't work out as well for people who are unfamiliar with some of the characters. But I mean, at this point, I mean, like Batman is like, you know, it's like Jesus or the Beatles, right? Like everyone on the planet knows who these characters are. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 are our uh, Greek mythology characters, our current yeah. Greek mythology, yeah, like our actual Titans, you know. So I again, like you said, everyone knows who the Batman is. Everyone knows who's like who Superman is, which is why, like, I feel like the studio might have been a little bit uncareful with them because, like, everyone knows who these characters are. We have like we have these we own these characters, so they're gonna it's gonna give audience are gonna you know enjoy it no matter what. That's not always the case. And that's the thing about the internet, right? If something isn't good, it's gonna get shit on, you know. And we saw that with like the, you know, with the with Suicide Squad and other stuff that people didn't like, um, which is good because like, I think there is some form of like, yes, I feel like you do have to kind of please your audience to an extent, you know, because what it is at the end of the day is to entertain and to you know an escapism and to you know make it enjoyable so um but yeah 
Any other scenes or anything you want to, to bring up about the Batman? No, I mean, there's a lot there. So it like takes, it's, you know, it's it's tough. I think the only other criticism I've had, I think that, you know, the story's a bit complicated in the sense that some things happen off screen, so it can be kind of confusing. Sure. Um, the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that when they were referencing Maroney, he was actually a separate character from Falcone. And like, I'm someone who reads the comics, so I know Maroney and Falcone are different characters. But because Maroney's not cast in this movie, I just didn't realize it because so much is happening at once. So I thought whenever they were talking about Maroney, it was Falcone. And I got confused because I was like, okay, there was a drug bust, but he's like not in prison. What? So he's on like house arrest maybe or something. But then half the thing, maybe like two thirds through the movie, I realized it. So the second time I watched it, I understood everything much better. Because I think like there's so much in this three hours that it's the first time I was just like, oh my God. Like I was just shocked like 20 minutes in that it was actually good. Yeah, no, exactly. So, but, you know, that's not bad. I mean, like, it serves well to multiple viewings, I think, actually, then, which, you know, I like, you know, like, we hadn't mentioned this directly, but both of us saw it twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I saw it the first opening night, um, and I I had some uh, some unfortunate news to the, that right before I walked into the theater, so I couldn't fully enjoy it. Um, I went to see my parents, and it was just really funny because my, you know, my stepdad, you know, he, he knows I'm a big fan of movies and he wants to tease me. So he he's like, so how come with all these Batmans? Like, this is going to be a good one. And I'm like, honestly, it's up your alley. I feel like you would like it, you know? Uh, and, and he's like, you think I'd like it? I'm like, yeah, it's like, and I'm like, there's only one way to find out. And my parents decided to, to actually, we got to go and enjoy the movie for a second time. And it was still badass. Um I'm not always the biggest fan of a car chase, but the car chase in this movie was top notch. Especially yeah, the Batmobile is cool too. Which is, I it's, love, dude. That's a, that's a high kind of bar. Like everyone judges the Batmobile hard, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a Lego set, Andrew, already for that for that Batmobile. I did. I mean, like there, there's a there's one for the Tumblr. I think you know when the Tumblr was first revealed, everyone hated it. I mean, it's fine. I, I, I agree. It's, yeah. it's a little bit too tanky, but I mean, like, it was functional, right? And that's what Christopher Nolan was always going for, as was, like, what's functional. Right. Right. So, I, I just, I like this car. It gives, it gives the classic modern look to it. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it, I think it did. It had all the, you know, it's super fast, it's low to the ground, but it's also not a limousine. So and yeah, it has that like movie. fire jet to the back, which is yeah, it has the fire on the back. So, but yeah, I think overall, you know, it's a really good movie. I was surprised. I am excited to see what they do um, with potential sequels, and I'm happy that they let you know that they dedicated themselves to like a very particular kind of like tone, theme, visual representation, and just they stuck to it because I think that's probably the best way to do this. Yeah. And again, if you guys are curious, you know about it, check it out. I, again, I, I really, yeah, this is now like my favorite Batman movie besides uh, the dark Knight uh, for different reasons. They're both like on my number one place for them. So uh, yeah, check it out. I think that's where, We'll wrap it up for today.
um, yeah. You can let us at I want to talk movies at gmail.com. If anything comes, you know, anyone who's actually listening, uh, don't know what's in store for the next episode. We have some options. There's a new Ryan Reynolds movie on Netflix. There's a we still need to talk about Uncharted, possibly. And uh, yeah, so I don't know, Andrew, if you have anything you want to watch too and talk about, you know, we'll make it happen here. Okay, well, we'll figure something out. All right, cool. Well, this has been I Want to Talk Movies. My name is Andy. And I'm Andrew. See you guys next time.